Good morning and welcome to Sharper Iron. Spend the next hour with us studying the living and active Word of God, His two-edged sword of law and gospel, recorded for you in Holy Scripture, all about Jesus Christ, crucified, risen, and ascended for you. Thanks for tuning in this morning here on Worldwide KFUO. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. I'm your host, Pastor Timothy Apple of Grace Lutheran Church in Smithville, Texas. Sharper Iron is underwritten by the Lutheran Church Extension Fund, where your investments help support the work of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Visit lcef.org for more information. On this Wednesday, September 9th, we are studying Proverbs chapter 8, verses 1 through 21. We see, we've seen the personification of wisdom back in Proverbs chapter 1, and now, here in chapter 8, Lady Wisdom speaks again. She calls out to everyone in order to impart her gifts upon all those who fear the Lord. To help us sharpen our faith in Christ as we study God's Word today, we have with us regular guest, Pastor Brady Finnern. Pastor Finnern serves at Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Pastor Finnern, welcome back to Sharp Iron. Yeah, great to be here. Thank you. As we get started this morning, Pastor Finnern, give us some background context here in the book of Proverbs. It, Proverbs is a, a little bit different than some other literature we see in the Scriptures. Context isn't quite the same as when you're in the middle of a narrative. But there's some background here in the book of Proverbs that will help us into the verses uh, that we've got for today. Give us some of that. Well, yeah, I'll start with this, is um, that Proverbs is, is with literature, and you guys have been through this quite a bit, but it just go back to Proverbs because um, we don't always fully understand what wisdom means, you know, when we're talking to people and people have different definitions and everything else, but we know we want it. We need it. We need it in our lives. You know, where do I go to college? How do I do, how am I to be a parent? How do I do my career? What if I have a job offer? How do I handle conflict? How do I care for a loved one? All these things, we know that we need wisdom. The question is, where do we get it? Um, and so really, when I think about it, there's two things happening. One is, what is wisdom? Which I would probably tend towards the understanding of that wisdom is the understanding to make good and holy decisions. And so this goes into faith and understanding and where we get that. At the same time, here, as you said, here is a personification of wisdom, which we also see in Proverbs chapter 1, verses 20 through 33. And they're very similar as far as wording and so forth. And so here we have all these things kind of coming together, and we know that wisdom is the fear of the Lord. It goes into faith. And we know that wisdom comes to us um, specifically personified in Christ, because 1 Corinthians 1. So you, you point all these things together. We need wisdom, and God gives it through his word and ultimately through Jesus. Um, and so we come to chapter 8, and we see the personification, and it follows chapter 7, where you see the personification of the adulteress, basically the antithesis of wisdom, and the warnings that Solomon gives. So um, that's why it's important that if you read chapter 8, it's good to read chapter 7 prior, because you see the, the problem of an adulteress that is not wisdom, and now you see in chapter 8 the antithesis of that, which clearly gives us a better understanding of how God works um, and, and ultimately who Jesus is. I'm glad you brought up chapter 7, because we, we saw the adulteress in chapter 7 and several times in the preceding chapters of the book of Proverbs. And as we went through those various studies here on Sharper Iron, obviously we talked a lot about adultery and why adultery doesn't fit with the wisdom that God gives. But it, it kept coming up all along that there's probably more going on there when Solomon is talking about adultery, that he's not only talking about sins against the Sixth Commandment, but he's also laying the groundwork for what he's going to get into in this chapter, chapter 8, which we'll cover today and tomorrow, as well as in chapter 9, so that when you go back and think about all the things that the adulterous woman was saying in those various sections in previous chapters— now, given what we're going to hear Lady Wisdom say, we can't help but hear some of those sections not only talking about sins against the Sixth Commandment, but also about the First. And I think what Solomon does here in chapters 8 and 9 is he really starts to draw some of those things together and really give us a, a multifaceted view of everything he's been writing so far. Oh, exactly. Yeah. And so you talk about the idea of wisdom. Wisdom is the fear of the Lord. That's the beginning of knowledge from Proverbs chapter 1. 
And this goes back to our small catechism when it talks about we should fear and love God um, is the, the foundation of the Ten Commandments. It really, it, it really shows us um, the breadth of Scripture when you look at everything and understanding of what wisdom is and how we are to live accordingly. So it, you know, it also comes down to this, too, where you hear all these things, and I'm reminded of the liturgy when we'll say, O oh Lord, open my lips, that, that wisdom is something that we're asking the right questions. And are we saying the right things in accordance to God's Word? And that's where we have wisdom uh, purely comes from God and is purely a gift of which we always will say, O Lord, open my lips, and he gives us the right words. Let's go ahead and hear then the words from the Lord here in Proverbs chapter 8. We're going to start in verse 1. I won't read all of it quite right away. It's a pretty long text. Let's read verses 1 through 11. Hmm. Does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights beside the way, at the crossroads, she takes her stand. Beside the gates in front of the town, at the entrance of the portals, she cries aloud. To you, O men, I call, and my cry is to the children of man. O simple ones, learn prudence. O fools, learn sense. Hear, for I will speak noble things, and from my lips will come what is right. For my mouth will utter truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are righteous. There is nothing twisted or crooked in them. They are all straight to him who understands, and right to those who find knowledge. Take my instruction instead of silver, and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than jewels, and all that you may desire cannot compare with her. We'll pause there. That was Proverbs 8, verses 1 through 11. So, Pastor Finnern, the text starts not with the words of wisdom, but with Solomon introducing his personification of wisdom in verses 1 through 3 with a couple of rhetorical questions, and then he sets the scene where wisdom takes her stand. Take us into those first three verses of this text. Yeah, yeah. So it starts with a rhetorical question, and once again it goes back to um, chapter 1, verses 20 through 33. And I would really highly encourage anybody who looks at these to somehow have those side by side, and to be able to look at the comparison and, and, and to see the, the fullness, really, of wisdom. But it begins with the understanding of calling. Um, does not wisdom call? Always has this rhetorical question, you know, with, with, an, with an answer. And the calling is the understanding that, that this wisdom is calling out for you. Um, and it's not a, a, a wisdom that is for only a select few. It's not something that uh, is is something that's only for um, a certain segment of people, but it's for all. And it's it's not something hidden. It's right in the middle of everything. I love it. At the gates in front of the town, the entrance of the portal, she cries, which reminds us that this that this wisdom is calling out. Um, and it's it's like the gospel call. You know, you have John the Baptist who said, you know, calls out to the people who are coming from Jerusalem, repent and be baptized. It's Jesus calling the people, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. This is the call of God calling to his people to come back to him, to bring them back into the fold and to tell them once again uh, of good things, holy things, and ultimately of salvation that is in him. So he says, uh, wisdom says, uh, understanding raises her voice, like, listen up, like, this is important, start listening. Just briefly, Pastor Finnern, because it, it's been a while since we heard from chapter 1 where we saw Lady Wisdom call out that first time. As a reminder, why is Wisdom personified as a woman? Well, I mean, the easy, the easy answer to that is Wisdom is, is a feminine form. You know, the noun, the noun is a feminine form. So it's, we, you know, it's kind of a struggle. You could go back and forth in academia to try to, to figure out what this all means, but what we is probably not as important that is it feminine or noun or so forth. But we do know that the noun is a feminine form. Um, but everything else points us, you know, straight back to Christ. And so we don't want to get into um, a theology the validity of Jesus's maleness or his life or um, any of those kind of things. But I would simply just say it's the feminine form of the noun. 
and uh, they're just being true to their language. Right, and then he, and then Solomon makes use of that feminine form in a very poetic way, which is, I mean, this is the mm-hmm. recognition that we're reading poetry and not prose, and so he's going to make use of the rules of language. So it's not something to concern ourselves with, as you said, and to get into sort of any theological strangeness, uh, but simply to recognize the art in which Solomon writes here. So wisdom is personified as this woman. As you said, she's calling out to anyone and everyone, and she puts herself in a very audible place, a very visible place right there at the entrance where everyone is going to hear her. How does her cry begin there in verses 4 and 5, Pastor Finner? Well, it it says, once again, a call to everybody, the cry to the children of man. And this is important because there is a, there's always a tendency for people to jump to the conclusion that this is only for certain kind of people. So mm-hmm. God is making sure that everyone knows this goes to all people. And then it gets very simple right away. So you have like this huge call, and you might expect this great and grandiose information that's going to come. But he starts, wisdom starts very simple. It says, oh, simple ones, meaning, um, I think if we all were honest, we'd realize that we're more simple than we want anyone to be led to believe. But oh, simple ones, learn prudence, which um, uh, prudence can be, many different um, words, like even in in the Hebrew, there's times where it's seen more as cunning. You know, the same word can be used for the serpent in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. And so that can be very confusing. But here, prudence is the understanding of the ability to make a holy decision. Okay, so it's actually a a positive thing. So uh, you're a simple one, but continuing to grow in your understanding of God and his wisdom. Oh, fools, meaning you're making terrible decisions, make sense, or learn sense, excuse me. Um, there you will make good decisions according to God's will. So it, it, it's, a, it's a call to each one of us, and I would compare it to much like when you're as a parent. And I have four kids, and I know, Tim, you have young kids too, that you have those moments where there's a wake-up call, whether it's a person telling you or you realize it, and you're like, I need to step up my game. Like, mm-hmm. this is different. This is not, I don't have, I'm not prepared for this. And so it's like God calling you, old simple one, learn prudence, learn better. You know, old fools learn sense. You know, you're being a fool right now. Make better decisions so that, that God gives us those moments according to his word to say, you need to step your game up. And that's what wisdom is calling us continually in that Christian life is to step up the game and to listen to what he has to say. That's an important recognition, I think, that wisdom is crying out to all people. So that when we come to the particular address there in verse 5, O simple ones and O fools, we would place ourselves here as those who do need to learn prudence and who do need to learn sense. No matter where we find ourselves in the Christian faith in terms of what we know, what we've learned, how, how wide or deep our knowledge of the Scripture is, that we need to find ourselves here as those who are listening to wisdom heeding wisdom's call to learn prudence and to learn sense, and and that in each one of us. Now, the word fools particularly, I think, you know, fools in the book of Proverbs are those who do not fear the Lord. Fools, all, I mean, and to think through, is it, I think it's Psalm 14, where where it's the foolishness is there that, that to say there is no God. That's ultimately what foolishness is in the scriptures. So when we're saying, all people need to hear this. We're not saying that Christians are fools in the sense that they don't believe in in Christ as Savior, but we are recognizing that each one of us does remain a sinner, and we need to continue to listen to wisdom, to listen to the Word of God, and to continue to grow in it. And you're exactly right that that there are those wake-up calls in this life where we recognize, I have not been listening I've, I've been listening to something else other than the Word of God. I need to return to the wisdom that he gives. I think I've been reflecting a little bit on this, Pastor Finner, in thinking through, of course, the pandemic, because this is on everybody's mind right now, but in, in other aspects as well, that sort of wake-up call, and I, I've tried to think through it in terms of what Luther talks about what makes a theologian, where he talks about oratio, meditatio, and tentatio, the, the prayer the meditation of God's Word, and then those those moments of temptation or suffering and angst. And I think those wake-up calls fall into that, that third category, that idea of tentatio. 
And the Lord would use those moments in our life to wake us up, to get us to return back to this call to wisdom and to listen anew to his word. Um, old fools, and that is me. And we're not, they're, they're leveling the playing field in all levels. And, 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 you know, during the pandemic as well, we realized our hope was not always built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Our hope was built on other things. And so he calls us back to faith and calls us back to him. The text then continues in verses 6 through 8. Wisdom is speaking again here. And she says, Here, for I will speak noble things, and from my lips will come what is right, for my mouth will utter truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are righteous. There is nothing twisted or crooked in them. So uh, wisdom here speaks of her own words as complete truth, Evil and falsehood are far farther away from her than, than you can imagine. This is why we can trust wisdom and can listen to it above other voices. Oh, absolutely. And it's, it's just a good reminder of what comes from God is true. You know, Jesus said, uh, your word is truth. You know, Jesus says that. And, and a reminder for us how we often... Um, we look at the adulterous words that are there, and they might look good. This is true in Proverbs 5. They might look good or taste good or uh, look smooth or whatever it might be, but the reality is they're not true. Um, you see this all throughout chapter 7 where it's kind of this, wow, look at this, mm, that looks good, but the reality is it's not true. And what we need is truth. This is uh, um, Timothy, or Paul says this to Timothy a few times in his letter. Um, saying the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, you know, and then the truth that he comes out there is saying um, that you're the worst of sinners, and that's the hard truth that that wisdom is telling us, is that what you are is a fool, you are a simple one, and you need God and you need His help through all of these things, since God is holy. He cannot lie, and he's given it to us straight, which is once again, and I might, I'll probably keep going back to this because it really fits, is that understanding of, oh, Lord, open my lips, because my lips, you know, it says here in verse 6, he says, from my lips will come what is right. And what do we want coming out of our mouth? We want things that are right and holy and true. And, and too often what comes from our mouths are not right or holy and true. And so we need to be filled with those words so that we will um, have our mouth declare his praise. Mm. Let's, let's talk a little bit about those words, O oh Lord, open my lips, because I do think there's a good connection to be made. I'm flipping—they come from Psalm 51. I'm trying to flip there right now so I don't get this wrong. Psalm 51 is the psalm that David writes after Nathan confronts him with his sins of adultery and murder— concerning Bathsheba and then her husband Uriah. And he writes this psalm of confession. It's familiar to many of us, particularly because of, well, the, the words that we're going to talk about, but also the words that are often sung in our offertory from verses 10 through 12, create in me a clean heart, O God. That offertory goes a long way back in the Missouri Synod liturgy. But the, the point I want to make with the open my lips is, is this. That prayer from David comes after all of that time that he spends confessing his sin, in the very beginning of the psalm, have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. All of this is to say, as I think what you're getting at, Pastor Finneran, is that when we're going to open our lips, if we open them apart from the Lord's forgiveness, then the only thing that come, can come out is, is foolishness, is, is the simpleness in, in the terms that Proverbs would use that term. It's only when the Lord forgives us through his son, Jesus Christ, that we can pray for him to open our lips, and then what will come forth from those lips is wisdom that, again, finds its it's root in that forgiveness that he's given. You know, we've been talking about wisdom and the, the ability to make holy decisions. It's, it's not only the decision-making, that's the fruit of 
the deeper thing, which is the forgiveness that you've you received in Christ. And, and that's where Proverbs and the wisdom to make decision that's given here in Proverbs is so much deeper than, say, the advice you or I might give to our children as a father. What Solomon has here for us, what wisdom has for us, is much deeper. It goes, goes to the forgiveness of sins that comes in Christ and our faith in him that stems from that gift. Oh, it's wonderful. I mean, it goes back to identity, once again. And Proverbs has so many pithy statements, you know, those that there are wise statements that we should follow. And the beauty of chapter 8 is it brings you back to that identity. And like you said, the forgiveness piece. I mean, um, oh, Lord, open my lips is a, is a source of faith and not a, um, oh, I don't know if God will open my lips or that I can praise him. No, I know he can because I have been um, the receiver of the full forgiveness from God in just a few simple words, but bought by the blood of Jesus. I mean, that that's our identity, and so we're able to have the freedom to speak his words, and He's uh, the, the wisdom is reminding us today, and I have those words, and here they are, a gift for you, which we'll get to a little bit later, a free gift all for you. Verses 9 through 11, then, read them again. They are all straight to him who understands. That is the words of wisdom. They are all straight to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. Take my instruction instead of silver and knowledge rather than choice gold, for wisdom is better than jewels, and all that you may desire cannot compare with her. Uh, verse 9, I think, goes with what we were talking about, Pastor Finner, in terms of what wisdom has to offer. This is the, the good gift, the truth, as opposed to the lie. Absolutely. And, and this is important um, because a lot of times where we're trying to find our source of truth is we try to find it internally. I saw a post recently of somebody saying, that I don't understand God, and I actually don't know much about God, but I sure can feel God, which kind of sounds cool for our culture, but it's dire consequences to something like that, because it could have been your morning coffee, or it could have been the the Mexican food you had the night before, that mor- you know, that day or something. And, and here, um, wisdom is telling us that this is straight, and, and I will give you understanding, and it is for you. And not only that, but it goes on to tell you how valuable it is that this this wisdom to salvation in Christ is more valuable than silver, which would have been a worth a lot, which would have been worth a lot, and jewels, and nothing can compare with it. And what that's telling us is not only a connection of this is more valuable, our relationship with God, our faith in Christ and all the gifts he gives, but it also gives us that little bit of glimpse of heaven where we see so much imagery of the silver and gold and jewels and it being beyond compare when we will be with Christ in the full relationship when he returns. All of that comes together where we don't have to say, well, I sure can feel it because the next moment you can say, I can't. The truth is, it is there, it is true, and he's given it to us straight. It's kind of like a... a um, uh, I know they talk about, uh, you know, trying to drink out of a, of a, of a fire hydrant. Like, a lot of times that's how we see things, like going through Greek class in seminary. Oh, I feel like I'm drinking out of a fire hydrant. But this is what salvation is. It comes out, it comes out straight, and you don't wonder if this is water. You don't wonder if you're getting affected by it. You know it's all there and it's all for you, especially um, with the understanding that he has given it, and it just keeps flowing towards you. And mm-hmm. that's the beauty of wisdom when it points us to Christ. Hmm. Well, and, and again, there, that, that connection to wisdom that points us to Christ. This is the, the uniqueness of the wisdom that's here for us in the book of Proverbs. It, it is very important to remember that this wisdom comes to us from the outside. It, it's not about what I feel within and my finding God there. I mean, as, as we've already been saying, that, that takes us, I, I think, back to the, O oh Lord, open my lips. If he's not the one who opens my lips due to the forgiveness that he's given, then my feelings, what's inside, is going to point in the entirely wrong direction. It's only when I recognize the wisdom that comes from outside, that comes from the Lord alone, and the true treasure that that truly is. I mean, that that's when all of this just comes together. Pastor Fernando, we got about a minute here before the break to tie all this together. 
Yeah, and the big thing with this too is that it's for free. Mm. Um, you look at uh, verses 10 and 11, and it, it totally is this understanding of, uh, well, I'll go back to chapter 7, where it's kind of like, if you do this, this, and this, I'll give it. But here it is, this is for you, it is free, it is divine wisdom, and it shows you that it's free and available, and all those who receive it are wise unto salvation, as Paul says in 2 Timothy verse three, uh, chapter 3, about this is salvation for you, and it is completely and utterly free. You're listening to Sharper Iron here on Worldwide KFO. Going to take a short break, but we'll be right back. Please stick around. Since 1978, Lutheran Church Extension Fund has had the humble privilege of supporting Lutheran Church Missouri Synod Ministries and her workers. Thanks to faithful investors, LCEF has provided thousands of church workers, congregations, schools, and organizations with the low-cost loans and resources they need to reach more people with the saving name of Christ. To learn more, visit lcef.org or call 800-843-5233, 800-843-5233. Welcome back to Sharper Iron. It is Wednesday, September 9th. We're studying Proverbs chapter 8, verses 1 through 21. We've got Pastor Brady Finneran with us. He serves at Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Pastor Finneran, prior to the break, we looked at verses 1 through 11 of chapter 8. I'm going to go ahead and read the rest of the text for us, and we'll discuss that on this side. Proverbs 8, beginning at verse 12. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence and I find knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil, pride and arrogance and the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. I have counsel and sound wisdom. I have insight. I have strength. By me, kings reign and rulers decree what is just. By me, princes rule and nobles, all who govern justly. I love those who love me and those who seek me diligently find me. Riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, even fine gold, and my yield than choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness, in the paths of justice, granting an inheritance to those who love me and filling their treasuries. That is the rest of our text for today. That was Proverbs 8, verses 12 through 21. So, Pastor Fenner, as wisdom continues her address here, it changes, it changes course a bit. He, wisdom continues to talk about herself. What, is, what does wisdom have to say about herself in these first couple of verses? Well, like you said, it begins with I, um, and it, it continues to talk about itself. But it, it, I was talking to someone about this text um, recently, and one of the things they said is that this, is, that this part is, is dripping with Jesus was the quote, and I thought that was really, I didn't know how I could use that, so I just did did it that way. So it really just shows us Christ specifically in Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. And here's another example of how I would really encourage everybody to look at Isaiah 11, verses 1 through 3, and to look at this, because what it tells about wisdom, it tells us about Jesus. So here is um, dwell with prudence, and I find knowledge and discretion. So this goes back to verse um, verse 2 in Isaiah, where it talks about that wisdom and understanding will be upon this Savior who is to come. Hater of evil, pride and arrogance are not there. Perverted speech I hate, meaning all of Jesus' words were perfect because he is God. Um, and then it continues on, Fear and hatred is evil, pride and arrogance, so forth. I have counsel and wisdom. I have insight. I have strength. It points us to Christ, not only Isaiah, but it, it represents everything that we know of Jesus in the New Testament, that he is one who has knowledge and discretion, hates evil, but doesn't just hate evil, but takes evil upon himself by the strength of the Lord. And that's the beauty of this, is that it, it doesn't just point us to some personification. And that's why I find 
find so much comfort in this that to see it as Jesus is that we know um, that that it's not some far off reaching wisdom that's calling us. It's the Lord Himself, our Lord Jesus, as the hymn, you know, "Hark the Voice of Jesus Calling." I, I, that that's running through my head so much, you know. Oh Lord, open my lips, and then also "Hark the Voice of Jesus Calling," because when He's calling us, all His words are true, and they're there for you and me. So right here, we do start to get the picture that as Solomon personifies wisdom, that it is more than a poetic device. But he's he's actually, I mean, it sounds like, uh, so you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like that what you're saying, Pastor Finner, is that Solomon here, this is basically Jesus talking, beginning in verse 12, particu- and I guess the whole time. But when you start reading verse 12, you can almost say, I Jesus dwell with prudence, and I, Jesus, find knowledge and discretion. Is that the, the point you're driving at? Absolutely. Absolutely. It is. Yep, and that's, and, and when you see, and we talk about this a lot as Lutherans, as, you know, I would say a lot of Christians, most Christians do, is that when you are able to see Jesus on every page, or as Luther said, to put on your Christ goggles, it all fits in place very, very nicely. Not perfectly, you know, but nicely because you're able to see it with the full um, promises and everything being fulfilled in Christ and how wonderful it is to be able to see it, that here's Jesus speaking to us, reminding us that he was there from the beginning and that he'll be there forever and that as he spoke to them then, he's speaking to us now by his word and that we will one day be with him. So I, I, it, it, it reminds uh, it reminds me a little bit, you know, we talk a lot about how uh, me and Jesus were talking, you know, me and my Jesus time, and I remember hearing this a lot when I did field work in St. Louis, you know, me and Jesus were talking, and how, how my pastor at the time would always say, when people come to church um, and we're preaching and you're and giving the Word of God, it's no longer just that person speaking to Jesus, it is Jesus speaking to them. And this has implications, I think, of of, of how we see the church, how we see everything, that here's the opportunity for us to proclaim this word, and it is Jesus literally speaking to you. And what he speaks is the idea of uh, the, the, the reality that he has um, given us these things that he, that he has, and he's given us that grace. In, in this conversation with verses 12 through 14 being Jesus speaking to us directly in, the, in this way that you're describing, verse 13 stands out a little bit as slightly different than the rest, I think. You know, verse 12, I, wisdom, I have these things, I do these things. Verse 13 is the, I guess, the negative side of that. If if wisdom has these things in verses 12 and 14, what wisdom doesn't have in verse 13 is the hatred of evil. Wisdom doesn't have pride and arrogance, doesn't have perverted speech, which again, that's, that is a picture of of Jesus. How do we see that in the in the New Testament, how do those things describe Jesus for us? Well, we see it in his in his life um, that that he does not allow evil um, to overcome. We see that with his temptation in the desert, you know, where the the um, evil is trying to tempt him, and he continues to use God's word. Uh, he always is going against pride. You know, he uses parables of of the Pharisee and. Um, um, the tax collector and shows us what faithfulness is and, you know, pride, oh, Lord, I'm not like them, arrogance, those kind of things. Perverted speech, when people were saying the wrong things, he would call them out, and he has wisdom. And ultimately, we see him continuously um, giving strength to his people. Um, so, so, so all those things come true, but he's showing, I am not with that. I'm not with the pride. I'm not with the arrogance. I'm not with the perverted speech. And I'm not with evil. You know, even though the Pharisees kind of said, oh, you're working with the devil. And he's kind of like, that doesn't even make sense. Why would I go against the devil if I was the devil? You know, and so it totally is very consistent with how Jesus lived and how he spoke when he was on earth. In verses 15 and 16, then wisdom continues to speak. And and we were talking about who needs to listen to this call of wisdom at the very beginning. Oh, simple ones, oh, fools. Well, here it is the kings, the rulers, the princes, the nobles who need wisdom. Take us into these verses. 
I'm, well, I'm not. So I'm easy. not calling. So I'm easy. not calling our rulers fools. I don't. I don't think. <laughs> well, I think the biggest call here is that uh, first of all, uh, that God puts in place those who rule um, in uh, in our country, and so we first of all have to be respectful, and and to know that as we believe in in the kingdoms, you know, God's work in the church, God's work in the government and how we look at those two rules and we understand that God is at work. It's a good reminder for us as Americans because we get caught up into elections and to remember that the day before an election, God is still in control and the day after an election, God is still in control. And sometimes that becomes even harder right now as we're waiting and waiting and waiting. So what what we believe by faith and by the Word of God, and I think we can see this happening even, is that God works through our governmental leaders, and they're actually doing a lot more good than we give them credit for, if I can say it that way. That God works through them and to make just decisions. Clearly they make mistakes because we do have the simple ones, old fools. Wisdom continually needs to be proclaimed out. If, if the government leaders already had enough wisdom, there's no reason to call it out again. But it's ultimately a call for us, one, to thank God for them and to pray for them, to speak well of them. It goes back to the Ten Commandments. While at the same time, um, you know, doing the right thing as far as voting and going through that process of those of whom we think will be able to um, rule well um, and pray for God to work with them. Yeah, the wisdom is—and I, I think this makes sense even to a non-Christian— Although we would probably define wisdom differently, but but wisdom is is very clearly a necessary trait for a ruler. But I do think, I mean, Solomon clearly has more in mind than simple like that's a good decision. Although that's there, I don't want to deny that. That's certainly there. I, here's the connection I want to. I think I want to make, Pastor Fender. You can tell me what you think in verses 15 and 16, and it goes back to what you were saying with verses 12 through 14, as wisdom very clearly they're matching up with the traits that we see of Jesus in Isaiah 11. So so carry that into verses 15 and 16 by me by by Christ by Jesus king's reign and rulers decree what is just by me. Keep keep Jesus in that picture there. What comes to mind for me is is Psalm 2. Where where you get this picture in Psalm 2 where and it doesn't say if it's David or not. We'll just say say David is talking about the kings of the earth set themselves against the Lord and against his anointed, and what their end looks like. When, when they do that, they, they, meet, they meet the Lord's anger. The psalm concludes like this, Now therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way. For his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. That was Psalm 2, verses 10 through 12. I want to. I think we should connect these two texts such that wisdom that kings and rulers and princes and nobles in Proverbs 8, the wisdom that they need is not simply the ability to make good decisions, but it, it does have to do with recognizing that their authority does not come from themselves. It does come from the one who, as you said, is in control the day before the election and the day after the election because he's ascended to the Father's right hand. And and in that recognition to rule with that kind of wisdom, that the authority that they have doesn't come from themselves, it comes from the God who reigns over all. And I think, I mean, I think we can be a little more, that helps us to be more specific with what kind of wisdom Solomon would have rulers to have. What do you think? Well, I I, I think... All I can say really is I'm into that, because <laughs> I think you make the connection very, very clearly that it not only is good decisions, but it ultimately comes down to the fear of the Lord. Yeah. And that's what we pray for, for all of our leaders, you know, is that they would have the fear of the Lord, because if they think that they have all the right answers, I'll step this back. I was once speaking to a guy who was talking about the, the what every person needs to have is an understanding that they're not the smartest guy in the room or smartest person in the room, that there's a lot of people there that we need to listen to in order to make good decisions. And and that's something I think relates with this is for any of us when we lead and for our government and for others is that if we think we're the smartest person in the room, then we have a problem. And ultimately, if you don't 
think if you don't think that it is a quote higher power or God that is is over all these things with grace and the fear of the Lord, then 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 that's a problem too because mm-hmm. God is the one who will who is screaming at us you know just in a gracious way wisdom I have it for you and I'm standing at the crossroads to call it for you and it's for all people mm-hmm. especially for our leaders. Yeah, and I think that you know earlier we were kind of joking about our. Are our leaders fools? Well, you know, maybe we would joke about that, but but as a leader, if I'm going to be one of those leaders, I do need to recognize precisely what you're saying, that I am not the smartest person in the room, that, that there is someone greater than me. And of course, as a Christian, I'm going to recognize that's the one true God. And, and that's a key for every leader. Is And that takes us back to what we were saying toward the beginning of our conversation, that this matter of simple ones, fools, this is going to apply to us all at some point, that that we've fallen away from what the Lord has given in wisdom, and we need to be reminded and called back to it. And and that is true for kings, rulers, princes, nobles as well. The, the text continues into verses 17 through 19, Pastor Finnern. I, again, wisdom speaking, I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently find me. Riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, even fine gold, and my yield than choice silver. There at the end, you get that same picture from before that the most valuable thing we can have is wisdom. Take us into these verses. Yeah, it comes back to love, and it can't help but keep going back to to the Gospel of John, um, 1 John, and this is love, not that we love God, but he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. And so we love God um, because he first loved us. This is the common things we'll have at weddings. I had a wedding this weekend, and and this understanding of of love that is founded in Christ and in our relationships and also in our faith. So here here wisdom is very much so pointed out there that I love those who love me, and it points us back to faith. Then it, it... digs a little deeper before it talks about how silver and gold this is better than silver or gold but here it almost like it digs a little deeper and talks about the riches and honor and fruit that is bore when this wisdom that God is giving is something that you possess often we think of it as we're gonna have loads of cash loads of cash all gonna be here but when you look at other passages um, specifically Ephesians 3 um, verses 8 through 10, it talks about how when you have this this faith and you have this wisdom from God, it's it's a, the unsearchable riches of Christ, he says, so that through all of this, um, the mysteries of God is founded in Christ. And so the riches of all the salvation, which we see, you know, an image of in Revelation, so forth, that these riches are, are beyond comprehension, that it's 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 amazing to think about that all the beauty that we see in this world, all the riches that we could ever imagine having, that is nothing compared to what it will be that we have in Christ, first of all, and that we will experience when Christ returns. And so he's, how do you say, it? he's really making this something where we cannot comprehend this and all the things that we'll receive, and with that, we know that God loves us. This is a simple, like, this is a simple move. Old simple ones learn prudence. Old fools learn sense. The simple reality is that we have a God who loves us, and 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 all these riches are ours in Christ. I, it, to me, I feel like I'm in this tension of it's unsearchable, it's ununderstanding, but yet it's so simple at the same time. Mm-hmm. That's that's probably one of my battles when I've been looking at this passage, um, chapter eight, is is the the simplicity of how wisdom speaks but also how amazing it will be when Christ does return and all these riches will come to full fruition and we'll be able to see everything that he was talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think you're right. That, and that's true of God's Word, I think, in, in all over the place. That on the, on the one hand, it, it's so simple, simple in the sense that it lays it out in the clearest way possible, that, that you and I can, can read it, understand it, and then believe it. So that, you know, I mean, when wisdom speaks, that's what we believe. Amen. Like you know, I mean that that's the response. What else are you going to say to the Lord other than amen? And and in that sense, it is it's simple. 
But on the other hand, there's so much depth there that we can never fully mine these riches. And and those are the, the riches that, that wisdom is extolling here and inviting us to seek after. So that and, and I mean, again, to go back to what we were saying, right? So that these are words that we continue to come back to. We never graduate from these, but we continue to learn this wisdom that is there for us in the Word of God. Even as we say amen to it, we continue to just to pour over those words and to, as we pray, to inwardly digest them, to make it to make them a part of who we are. As you said, because God loves us, and that's who we are in Christ, those beloved by God. To make sure we, we get to all the text, Pastor Finnern, the last two verses are, are just as important, of course. I walk in the way of righteousness, in the paths of justice, granting an inheritance the, to those who love me, and filling their treasuries. The One of the things that stands out again here is that wisdom is the actor. Wisdom says, I walk in the way of righteousness. It, it's not the command here, you walk in my way, my way, but wisdom says, I walk in this way. Absolutely. It goes down to um, Psalm 23 when, you know, mm. he makes me lie down on green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. This understanding of how God leads us on this path, and it's his path his righteousness and his inheritance to show us once again all the treasures that he has in store for us now and for what he will store for us in the future. And this is important too um, because I think a lot of times we talk about paving our own way. Mm. And that I think has some secular um, benefit to it. Obviously, if we have God's way and we are to live that way, it's good for us to know the way but also to know that God leads us on that path, that he walks with us on that path. And as, you know, the footprints in the sand carries us on that path. And um, that's something where we, that's a very powerful thing. I, I think about that a lot when you get simple things from people. I had a couple in my first church that she was dealing with Parkinson's. He was dealing with cancer at the same time. It was just, it was, it was very difficult and I remember, I asked, you know, how are you guys doing? Partly because he didn't really know what to say. And they said, we know the Lord is walking with us. And that that is a Holy Spirit moment where they are saying the words of wisdom upon us. That that is not just a statement of something else because they knew the way of righteousness. They knew the paths of righteousness, of justice, excuse me. And they knew that they had inheritance of a God who loved them, and the treasures were going to were great now, and we're going to be great into the future. And and this is throughout, you know, Ephesians and Colossians, and um, to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, um, that uh, an inheritance that we acquire the possession of to the praise of His glory, Ephesians one, and it talks about sealed with the Holy Spirit. All of this, there's a depth there to know of whose we are. We talked about, O oh Lord, open my lips. And then there, the Lord not only sends us on his way, our way, but he carries us and walks with us. And that is the way of, of, uh, of grace and righteousness, which uh, is beyond comprehension once again. And, and yet is, is so very simple at the same time the, that we can say amen to it. And, and I appreciate your, you know, your comments about the Lord doing the walking. And I think this helps us to understand what what Jesus says when he says, I am the way and the truth and the life, that it is more than simply him shining. Well, I've said it this way before. It's not simply that Jesus shows us the way, but that he actually is the way. And as the way, he walks it first. He's the one who's gone through suffering and death into life, and then he takes us with him on that way. Those those words of Psalm 23 are just so wonderful. The, I, I, I preached a sermon before on, on the small words of Psalm 23, and one of those small words in Psalm 23 is that is the word with, that, that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me, because he's the one that's walked the way already. He's the one who is the way from death into life, and, and with him as the way, not simply showing us the way and sort of saying, this is what you have to do, 
but actually as the way, the one who's done it for us. That I mean that that really does make all the difference between the the wisdom of the world and the wisdom that is being given to us here in, in Proverbs chapter eight. Pastor Fender, we got about three minutes here on the morning for for final reflections, uh, thoughts on this section of Proverbs eight and how it points us to our Lord Jesus. Well, it comes down to you know what is wisdom, and wisdom is uh, the fear of the Lord. And it is Jesus. And when we fear the Lord, we, first of all, look to Jesus and we realize that what he was willing to do um, shows us that we should fear the Lord, that he was willing to do so much for us um, on the cross with an empty tomb, uh, giving us the Holy Spirit and giving us his gifts now, that all this we do not deserve, but yet it is Christ who gives it. So we fear the Lord in a healthy way, to know that, wow, this Lord loves me. And at the same time, that we realize how much help we need along the way, that we realize this every day. I was thinking about this recently and just doing things in ministry, and I had a call to a church, and, and, and I felt like I was Jacob wrestling with God. And when you wrestle with God, you realize how much help you need in life and how weak you really are. And here it's screaming to us, I'm here to help you. I'm here to give you wisdom. And ultimately realizing that one day that that this wisdom that is being proclaimed to us now will come to full fruition um, by the blood of Jesus when Christ returns. And it finally shows us this. Wisdom, as I said, fear of the Lord, reminds us that each day we realize the depth of God's grace for me and to realize each and every day of how little we deserve it. Which is why we say, O oh Lord, open my lips and my mouth to declare your praise because we need him to fill us, and we need him to remind us of how to proclaim his name and to appreciate all that he gives to us in Christ. Pastor Brady Finnern is the pastor at Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota, helping us this morning with Proverbs chapter 8, verses 1 through 21. Pastor Finnern, thanks for being our guest again today. Thank you. God bless you. Wisdom calls to everyone. She stands at the corners, at the gates, calling to all, the simple, the fools. That's you and me. We need to be called back to wisdom, the wisdom that comes only from our Lord Jesus Christ in his word. And he speaks to us. He speaks to us to show us who he is. He is the way, the one who has gone through death and into life. And now he takes us with him on that way, that way which is wisdom and leads to eternal life. I'm your host here on Sharper Iron, Pastor Timothy Apple of Grace Lutheran Church in Smithville, Texas. Thanks for spending the morning with us. Talk to you again tomorrow.